I chose William Peace because of the personalized education it offers, which allows students to truly know their professors. It's really possible to make genuine connections with your professors and learn intentionally here and dive deep into what you're passionate about. A 12 to 1 student to faculty ratio is just one of the many reasons students choose William Peace University. Extra attention starts day one for career planning with their Career Services Center. Find out all they have to offer at peace.edu. Ah, yes, good old James Taylor. A lot of people actually say this is probably the, the, the anthem of the state of North Carolina. This makes me want to have a nice cold one on the porch. I feel like I should be laying in my hammock right now. Just thinking about life, dreams, Not love. even thinking about anything. <laughs> dreams, <laughs> love, life. What? Wait, are we on the radio? Oh, yeah, we are. <laughs> we are Pat Welter. That's Pat Welter, WRL Sports. about dreams and life. That's Pat Welter, WRL Sports, joining me. Joining me, Dennis Cox, this afternoon on the fan, Graham Hill, producing us today. 35 years ago, Bull Durham was released. Uh, Susan Sarandon, Kevin Costner. Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins. And a baseball rom-com. That's what it is. I mean, it's a rom-com with baseball. Heavy on the rom. Oh, yes. Very much so. Heavy on the sex, if I can say so. I, there, was, there, was, there, there was that. Which I guess fits, right? Because... Baseball is often used as an analogy uh, in that avenue. Sure, uh, we'll go but with that. yeah, I I just seen the movie for the first time um, last year. You know, I started working here. I never seen it. Okay, uh, it was one of those older movies that just kind of escaped me. Uh, sometimes I find sports movies a little bit cliche, so I don't always seek them out. Especially mm-hmm. since we live, cover, and breed sports all times. I but I go to movies. I don't necessarily want that. But it was good. I was just kind of surprised by how provocative it was. Um, you know, how loose the script was. They don't make movies like that anymore. Uh, but Kevin Costner, Sarandon, the chemistry, that's what that's what makes that movie uphold the test of time. It was a fantastic movie all around. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Tomorrow night, by the way, is uh, Bull Durham Day at Durham Bulls Athletic Park. Ron Shelton, who is the writer, director of the film, Joined Adam Gold earlier on this afternoon, and Shelton described why he chose the Durham Bulls as the team to make this movie and build the movie around. Well, my producer owned us is from Durham, and he's I mean an LA producer, and he owns a small piece of them. But he didn't say you had to shoot it in Durham. I traveled all over the Sally League and the Carolina League before I wrote the script. Um, to see if the minor leagues had changed since I played in them, and they hadn't. Um, and I fell in love with the Durham ballpark yep. because it was surrounded by neighborhoods where people could walk to the games and tobacco warehouses that were now empty because tobacco was dying. And the whole town at that time was boarded up, if you recall. I mean, Raleigh-Durham area is unrecognizable from 35 years ago. I mean, it was run down, and I thought this was a perfect – minor league, you know, uh, location. And uh, so, because I could shoot a ballpark without having to do anything to it, except the lights were so bad, we, <laughs> we it, you couldn't shoot film on it. We had to improve the lighting just to be able to get a reading on the light meter. But that's why I love the look and feel of the town. All right, so for people that may not know, Durham Bulls Athletic Park was not the scene Right. Set is not where the film was actually done because at the time the Durham Bulls played at Durham Athletic Park, which is just up the road. You can still go see it. Which North Carolina Central, from my understanding, actually still plays baseball there, and there's still events and, and games and stuff that are actually held at Durham Athletic Park. 
So it's right there. It's right up the road from Durham Bulls Athletic Park. So where the Durham Bulls play now is not where the film was shot. Just a little bit of a factoid out there for people. But if you've ever been to Boxcar in Durham, there's a baseball field that's right there. That's Durham Athletic Park. That's where this film was shot. It's 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 remarkable because you go by there like, wait, there's a, a highly successful major motion film that was filmed right there. It just – it's – and, and he and he is right in terms of just how Durham and just this entire area has is completely different than it was 35 years ago yeah. in a good way. I don't think they would choose to shoot it here now. Like it wouldn't catch the same vibe, right? If probably you, wouldn't. Not that there's anything wrong with the downtown Durham and the Durham Bulls Athletic Park, but it doesn't have that same vibe that the mm-hmm. director was going for here. And it reminds me of some of the the smaller ballparks I've been as I've been going up in media. Like I used to work in. Uh, Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Okay, which is about an hour and a half from Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and they would have like, like a summer league of college players come and play in this little ballpark in this rundown steel town, Johnstown. Yeah, and there's just a romance to it. You had kids coming, living there for the summer, billet families, small colleges, mm-hmm. maybe gonna never probably make the pros, but it was for like the love of the game. Oh yeah, you know they're out there every day. There, there'd be this big tournament it's called the triple aba this huge tournament would come in from all over the country and the town would rally around her for the weekend and it, that's what the film captures is that like summer romance of baseball both literally in the romance yeah, exactly. with, with uh with uh um susan sarandon uh and crash davis but also just the romance of the sport because there's nothing quite like baseball in the summer that's what a lot of people tell me not, You're like a lacrosse guy. Well, I grew up playing baseball. Okay. That's the thing. I grew up playing baseball. Uh, no, lacrosse is a spring sport. Let's call it what it is. Fair. Um, but, yeah, I mean, sometimes, but especially minor league baseball, this is actually something that is very, I think, special to the state of North Carolina when it comes to minor league baseball, is that because, again, we don't have major league baseball. And we, we heard sound cuts from, from Roy Cooper about wanting to get major league baseball here in the state of North Carolina. But in terms of – Minor league baseball, our state is is littered with minor league baseball across the state. Whether you're talking here locally with the Carolina Mudcats, the Durham Bulls, uh, just go down the road to get the Fayetteville Woodpeckers. Uh, you also have the Winston-Salem Dash, the Greensboro Grasshoppers. You have the Charlotte Knights, and that's not even counting you know Asheville and Wilmington and those areas throughout the state as well. Also, the Coastal Plain League. Like the Summer Wooden Bat College League, where we have the Holly Springs Salamanders right here. And you have the Moorhead City Marlins. So all part of this. And the those games and those teams are about the community. Like they represent your community. It doesn't matter if the Bulls are good or not. In all honesty, I mean, I, I should probably be cautious saying that. We, we do work with yeah, no, I know what you mean. Most people are going there for but the experience, exactly. not necessarily following the standings. You could. You could. But here's the thing. The roster turns over so much because, again, it's minor league baseball. Guys get traded. They get called up, whatever it might be. So the roster turnover is, is pretty significant. But we're here with minor league baseball, and again, it's all about the community event. It's all about the experience of being part of the community. That's one of the reasons why I love going to Durham Bulls games. It's not because I enjoyed the movie. It's because I love being like part of the community. Like The Triangle is my community. I call Raleigh home, but the Durham and Chapel Hill, this area as a whole, is my home is a community, and that's part of it. And I like being part of the community. So that's one thing that minor league baseball provides here in this state, and that's what this movie captured. And it really put the area on the map because a lot of people didn't know what Durham was. But there are people now that will travel 
If they get a chance, they're like, we'll tr- we want to travel and go to a Durham Bulls game just because of this movie. That still happens. Actually, my best friend's dad, uh, who's a massive baseball fan, grew up in Southern California, he's like, man, I still want to actually make it down there to Durham for just to catch a Durham Bulls game. Just because it's the Durham Bulls, because of the movie. That's it. It just makes you feel so nostalgic. Like, Kevin That's Costner. Really it. Kevin Costner is sports movies. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Tin Cup. Tin Field Cup. Field of Dreams. Bull Durham. For love of the game. Love of the game. I mean, this guy sold it because he was it. Yeah. He could play. He did play, mm-hmm. and he would play in these movies. It wasn't like, you know, Tom Cruise getting a stunt double to throw the first pitch type thing. Yeah. Uh, and he really sells it, and it captures a great kind of realistic storyline, and here's a guy still trying to make it, still chasing the dream. He yeah. gets sent back down to mentor the young upstart pitcher, and obviously they, then they throw a, a, a vice in the wrench with uh, Susan Sarandon yes. playing a love triangle with both of them. Uh, but I think everybody at the end of the movie gets what they want. Um, but yeah, I, just covering minor league baseball too. Like it's different. Like these, they're kids. A lot of these guys. Like I was at yeah. the Carolina Mudcats uh, opening day and the media day, and just struck by just how young a lot of these guys are. Yeah, they're, like, they're just having the time of their life with their boys, playing baseball, having fun, making a little bit of money, and hopefully keeping that dream alive to make it someday. Ron Shelton was asked about how surprised he was about the success of the movie Bull Durham. Well, as you know, a year ago, my a book came out about mm-hmm. all this called The Church of Baseball, and um, I thought we were making a good movie, but the studio hated it, and, uh, and we didn't know it would be well-received until it opened in theaters, and the reviews were great, and the people were gone in droves, and up until then, I thought I would never work again, and I thought, well... If they don't like this, they don't want to work with me because this is what I do. And uh, um, so it was a relief when it was a hit. And the reviews were so good. and got Oscar nomination and all that. The longevity is just um, kind of thrilling because you don't expect it. You're just trying to survive long enough to to make your next movie, you know. And uh, the fact that it's now referenced as a classic and uh, we're still talking about it. 35 years later is uh, is pretty thrilling. That's that's something I didn't really think about. It's just how how long standing the movie is in terms of being a success. How people can still who I, I was two years old when the movie came out, but I can still enjoy it at this age now. I can still get wrapped up into the everything about the movie. That's something that that a lot of things don't have is long term staying power. Baseball just works well for sports movies. Oh, yeah. I think it's an easy one to do. Probably the best recent sports movie to come out in the last, I don't know, at least post-2000s is Moneyball. Uh, and they kind of did it in a different way where it wasn't necessarily about the game. It was about the inner workings of the game and building yeah, the roster. Yeah, there are flaws in that movie, but that's they, – they completely brush over the fact that they had three rook pitchers, oh, pitchers on rookie contracts prime, yeah. who were like – Cy Young caliber pitchers. Oh, yeah, Mark Mulder, Tim Hudson, and Barry Zito all happen to be great pitchers, but they never mentioned that in that course. But we had Hattiesburg at first base or whatever. And, like, like, they they made it about that. It's like, no, they actually had, like, Miguel Tejada was, like, legit all-star level player. Uh, So they they actually had legit good players. So, anyway, but that was a a very good movie, though. But, I mean, you look at, like, uh, 42. Jackie Robinson movie. Playing playing Jackie Robinson, 42. Just even go back and, like, Rookie of the Year, if you're like for us 90s kids. Sandlot. Sandlot, Rookie of the Year, Little Big League. Little Big League. Oh, yeah. Those are great for us. Classic. I love those movies so much.
Thank you for listening to the Best of the Drive podcast. I'm Tim Donnelly here with Coach Pete Deruda, America's wealth coach and best-selling author. Coach, one of the big questions I always hear is, do I have enough money to retire? Well, maybe, maybe not. The most important thing is you have lifetime income you can never outlive. We'll design that plan for the next 10 people to call. No cost or obligation. Put yourself in control of retirement. Call 800-691-3215. You can also text Tim to 600-700. That's T-I-M to 600-700. You'll hear from Coach Pete and the Capital Financial advisory group nba drafts a week from today by the way kind of a big deal one week from today zion gonna get traded he might i mean that's the thing like (laughs) zion like legit might get traded it's crazy to think that a former number one overall pick when he plays and he's healthy he's like 22 yeah he's going on his age 23 season i think he actually just turned 23 but nonetheless when he plays this guy's averaging like 25 26 points a game key is when when he plays it's not often that you take a guy who is considered a generational talent that has that level of production when he does play and you're willing to move him and it seems like by all indications right now that the new orleans pelicans who pick 14th are willing and open to listen to conversation or willing to have conversations and listen to offers for zion that to me is mind-blowing I think what concerns me about Zion, starting to feel a little bit Ben Simmons-ish. Oh. I'm going to say that. I'm going to back one. Oh, you're saying, no, 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 no. Okay, hold on. But it is. Okay. Now, when he was at Duke, he seemed like a guy that loved the game. Oh, yeah. You think back to after he got, you know, he hurt his knee a little bit and people Mm -hmm. wanted him to sit out the NCAA tournament. Yeah. That was a big topic. And there were people that advocated for him to sit out. There's always the people like, oh, don't risk it. Get your money. You know, like the people that forget, like, the idea of loving the game. Yeah, they like, oh, this is actually what I do, which is play. But since he's been in the league, the question, you know, at first, you know, you get a foot injury, okay. You get a knee injury, okay. But this season, it was a hamstring. Yeah. And even his own Pelicans VP of B-Ball Operations, David Griffin, said, this was a quote to ESPN. I wish I could immediately pinpoint the answer. I think a big part of it is on him. I think there's a lot hmm. he can do better, and he would, I think, tell you that. And Zion even said when he did a press conference uh, not too long ago towards the end of the season about his health, was saying, I need to feel like Zion. Yeah. So what does that mean? I, we're, we're comparing this. It's not quite fair to hockey, where you've got guys like Kachuk going out there with a broken sternum. With a broken sternum, legit. And you've got a healed hamstring, and you're not playing on a team in the New Orleans Pelicans. This was a wide-open year. The Pelicans mm-hmm. are a talented, talented team. Yeah. And you throw him into the mix, they could win an NBA title, and he's not playing. So it, I don't love calling out a guy's will to play the game, but all I have is the evidence I can go on right now, and then you throw in this – off-court controversy well, he has? Well, yeah, I mean, that's a different – well, we can dive into that in just a little bit. But you talk about it with New Orleans that when healthy, when healthy, were you talking about a healthy Brandon Ingram averaging 23-plus points a game? You talk about a healthy Zion Williamson averaging 26, 27 points per game. C.J. McCollum. C.J. McCollum throw that into the mix as well. I know they traded guys like Drew Holiday away. But you look at that that roster up top to bottom, you're like, this is as good as it gets in the Western Conference. But Brandon Ingram dealing with his injuries, especially during his time in New Orleans, he only played 45 games this past season. Zion only played 29 games. Now, healing from that hamstring injury, okay, feeling like Zion, is that is that in terms of feeling fit to play? 
or is that mentally between the ears feeling like Zion, like having that swagger and all that kind of stuff that we've seen from him and just that that energy that he plays with? Because he, he, it's truly charismatic to watch him play, uh, or he truly is charismatic when you see him out there on the floor. And the energy in which he plays is, is phenomenal. Maybe it's just he doesn't like it in New Orleans. Now, he did sign that five-year, $194 million contract extension, that rookie max extension with the New Orleans Pelicans this offseason. Uh so he does have five years on his contract coming up. Maybe he just needs a change, a change of scenery, and that's okay. Sometimes people need that. Sometimes people are like, you know what? It's just not working out here. Not that you're doing anything wrong or I'm doing anything wrong or there's nothing specific bad that we hate about each other, but it's just not working out. That's okay. But there's not a lot of evidence, though, that it would work out if he came to Charlotte. And that would just be so true. Charlotte, right? Like this team that's been Very cursed. True. One of the worst run organizations in the NBA. I'm sorry, Michael Jordan, but it's a fact. Well, if, they would make this trade. Scoot Anderson becomes a superstar, and Zion continues to fizzle, you know, out and, and deal with the same things. You know, there's yeah. something that people like to say. People show you who they are, mm-hmm. and through Zion's start to the NBA career, I think we've kind of seen who he is. Can that change? It certainly could. Like we mentioned, yeah. he's 23, and as Blake 182 once said. Nobody likes you when you're 23. That's true. They did say that. But I also wonder, sometimes we project what we would do if we were these athletes in these situations. Mm -hmm. When, in reality, maybe they don't view it the same way we do. Not everybody is wired that way. You know, we like to think if we had that talent, we would do whatever we could. Oh, yes. To win, compete, to do what we could. But we also don't know what it's like to to quote Notorious B.I.G. here, more money, more problems. Yeah. There's a lot that comes with the lifestyle, as we've yeah. seen Zion is handling it, uh, to, <laughs> and he's learning, and he's young, so he's learning how to mm-hmm. to, to be a pro with his body uh, in more ways than one, as we are learning <laughs> through social media. Uh, so, again, there's room to grow up here, but it's a big trade, and what you are getting, I guess, is <laughs> learning to be a pro with his body more ways, more than, ways one. than one. Go on. Um, when you make this trade, you're dealing with a former number one pick that you know when he plays yeah. is elite, is potentially a yes. top five to ten player in the league. I mean, versus the unknown of a Scoot Henderson who mm-hmm. hasn't even played college basketball. No. This guy is in the G League. He's a guard. The world gives us a lot of guards. They do. They are very replaceable. So to take a guard that high, you better know. And if you're going to trade uh, that kind of pick, you better know. So it's uh, it's drama, and the NBA certainly gives us oh, that. And so NBA, is Zion. The NBA is built for a soap opera right now. But yeah, are you trading for the quote unquote generational talent that's averaged in his NBA career a shade under twenty six points and seven rebounds a game, and also shoots sixty plus percent from the field? And just again, could you imagine just on the floor, just the mellow ball driving into the lane and off ball movement from Zion Williamson and the two of them working together, even his passing ability from inside the paint as well. There's so many different things that Zion can do. I mean, Zion this past season in the 29 games he played averaged 4.6 assists per game. Like for, for a post player, that's a lot. I mean, obviously it's not Nikola Jokic, but that guy's the, that guy's a unicorn. That's what I was just going to say. Look who won the title. Yeah. There's a way, there's an analogy there. And I agree with you. Passing big. Yeah. It's that kind of stuff does matter. So, but yeah, those, then you also add in the the fact that they still have guys like PJ Washington. They still have guys uh, 
like like Mark Williams that they drafted uh, from Duke a couple years ago, and also potentially Miles Bridges coming back. So th- there's a lot of pieces that they can work around with. Are you willing to trade the second pick for that, or are you willing to go for Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller? Brandon Miller is that that prototypical NBA wing, right? Six eight, six nine, large wingspan, can shoot from outside. They don't make a lot of those. They don't make a lot of those. So that's the question: is like, what is more value, valuable to you, the second overall pick? Again, the caveat of this is. Is New Orleans willing to make that trade? Because apparently New Orleans loves Scoot Henderson. If you want to guarantee that you get him, you got to go to number two. All right, you have to go to number two because if he goes to number, if they try and trade to number three, which is where the Portland Trailblazers are sitting right now, try and go up to three. Well, that doesn't guarantee that Scoot Henderson is going to be there at three, because another team could try and trade up to number two with New Orleans to get Scoot Henderson, or New Orleans. I'm sorry, the uh, the Hornets could take him themselves so there's a lot of different options out there the only way you can guarantee to get scoot henderson or brandon miller is to trade up to charlotte at number two now if you're trading pick 14 like the pelicans are okay if you're willing to give up either brandon ingram or zion what also do you get in return right okay you get the second overall pick but you also have to take on gordon hayward's contract so there are a lot of different things that the they have to figure out and what again what's more valuable to you as a number two pick what do you think is going to be better for you the next five years? Is the next five years of the contract of Zion Williamson? Or is it going to be the next five years of Scoot Henderson? Or the next five years of Brandon Miller? What do you think in the long term during those five years is going to give you the best value for that number two pick? And it would just be so Charlotte for this thing oh, not gosh. to work out. I mean, you get the guy that played in state, that's from South Carolina, and with Charlotte that has a history of just kind of drafting the most notable players for March Madness like the, yeah. dating back to like Frank Kaminsky, it was like they were doing Kemba the Walker. scouting report. <laughs> yeah, Kemba Walker. Like, no, Kemba Walker actually was fantastic. He was as a point guard. Yeah, he had, but that kind of speaks to the risk of drafting small, explosive guards. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you know, once the the knee goes, everything goes. And Scooter Henderson is a, a, kind of a violent player in the way he cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody seems to love the guy. So. Gosh, I just don't know. MJ still, Michael Jordan's still the majority owner of the of the Charlotte Hornets. He is looking to trade, or not trade, looking to sell the majority stake. Uh, majority stake of the team. By the way, his flu game shoe, we'll get into this a little bit, auctioned for $1.38 million. You might make the that back on, his- a, on a fish at Big Rock this week. Are you ready to buy or sell your home? The Jim Allen Group is a nationally recognized and award-winning real estate team in the Triangle, dedicated to providing exceptional service to meet your needs. With the latest insights and expert market knowledge, they'll make your home buying and selling journey as smooth as possible. Don't wait. Head over to JimAllen.com and start your next move today. That's JimAllen.com. The Jim Allen Group, your partner in real estate. 